Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. So you probably heard the term life hack before? Maybe? No? Never heard it? Heard it? Well, a life hack is just a, you know, a simple bright idea that somebody had to make life easier. Uh, you know, it's just using ordinary things that, uh, you know, just, just take care of little problems. Um, and, you know, I'm showing you one here on my, on my title slide, and masking tape roll, and you put a little bread tab at the end of it, and you never lose the end of your masking tape again. Now, that's a life hack right there. Now, I, I, you know, I find these things kind of fascinating. So I got some more to show you. Uh, here's one. Now, if you're ever out and you're camping and you don't have kindling, you can use Doritos. <laughs> so that's... I didn't know that. You usually do have Doritos, but you don't have... It's the next one, yeah. Okay, this one you may have have heard this. Wrap a a soda pop bottle in a wet paper towel, put it in the freezer, in 15 minutes it'll be ice cold. There you go. Okay, this is two of them. So on the left there, if you're looking for an iPhone speaker, you can do that with a toilet paper roll and a couple thumbtacks. And then if you don't like getting your fingers wet when you dip your Oreo in milk, you can use a fork in the middle of that. So... Those are life hacks there. And I can tell that you guys are going to go home and you're going to try those. You're going to try them today, aren't you? You're going to go over to Meyer and get some Oreos on the way home. <laughs> and Doritos. Yeah. We'll be making a fire tonight out here with Doritos. Well, believe it or not, in Daniel chapter 10, there are some life hacks that we're going to learn. Uh, to live the God's strong life. And I, I'm really hoping today that you take these home and try them out, even even this very day. Daniel is having another awesome encounter with an angel here as the visions keep on coming in Daniel. And we're not going to be repeating his experience. Okay, That's not what we're after. We're not looking to duplicate this. But we can learn from the life hacks he's going to show us here to help us live this God's strong life that we're pursuing. So let's pray first. And ask the Lord to bless this. Heavenly Father, uh, boy, we come to you and we are grateful that uh, this word is right here for us to consume and to feast on and to help us uh, grow in you and to help us know you better and, um, and help us live for you in a stronger way. And I ask, Lord, that you might stir in us today uh, as we listen to it, as we think about how to apply it to our lives and, uh, and help us to go out and live it. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. And so just to let you know, the PowerPoint is totally life hack applicable um, and not really 
Daniel 10 applicable? So, you know, I'm separating those two. You'll see what I mean as we go through. Life hack number one is to move to the place. You know, see, here's, here's a plate of spaghetti. If you want to microwave that, put it in the shape of a donut and it'll heat it up more evenly. Okay, so you're gonna, you're gonna try that if you got spaghetti at home in, in the fridge. But, but that has nothing to do with move to the place. Alright, so you just stick with me. I was just like, these are so cool. I gotta show them to you. So. Okay, so uh, let's read verses 1 to 9 um, here as we get started. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for... The full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uthas um, around his waist. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So... The chapter starts us off again, kind of giving us a time marker, and it's telling us when this incredible happening happened. So we are three years downstream from chapter 9 now. So chapter 9 was three years ago. That's two years downstream from when King Cyrus gave that decree to the Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem and start the rebuilding process. So we're two years down the road from that. Now, that marked the end of that prophecy in Jeremiah that was 70 years long and it ends in the, with the restoration of Israel. And so something huge is going on here. The chapter uh, begins with Daniel in a familiar place. He's grieving again. He's, gr- and he's grieving this time over um, what's going on in Jerusalem. 50,000 Jews um, a, a year ago left their homes, went back to Jerusalem to start restoring it, to start cleaning up the mess. And so Daniel, he would have known, he's an official, remember, he's serving a king. He would have had reports from what was going on. So he would have known that the group arrived safely. He would have known that they found the tabernacle treasures and that they were intact. That they had rebuilt the altar, that they had started the sacrifices up again. That they cleared the foundation for the new temple. He would have known all that. So what's he grieving about? Well, when they got there, they also met up with some opposition. And the opposition got so bad that it stopped the work. You can read about that in Ezra 4. Um, Now, it ended up stopping the work for 15 years altogether. But here, Daniel is at the beginning of that 15 years and he's troubled. Troubled because he's, they just got back to the city, they just got the foundation laid for the temple, they just got things going back the right direction, and now they run into this roadblock. Will God be faithful? Will he bring his people all the way back and restore the temple, restore the city? Are the people too weak? They've been lost for 70 years. Are their enemies too strong? These questions rolling around in his mind. And then he moves, he moves to this place. 
a place of humility. And he receives another visit from an angel to help him know what's going on. So he is expressing the grief in his heart with fasting. He says he didn't eat any meat or wine. He limited his diet for 21 days. And uh, he's moving himself before the Lord in humility. Now I tell you, I have this love-hate discipline. uh, Love-hate relationship with the discipline of fasting. Um, You know, I really hate the physical suffering that you go through when you uh, begin a, a fast. And you can, you can feel it in day one as you're saying no to food and, and yes to God. Um, but you know what? I love the spiritual nourishment that you get and the intimacy with God that you get as day after day you just say, I would rather have you than something to eat. It's really a powerful experience. And so uh, if you lack a hunger for God in your life, let me suggest you move to this place of humility with fasting. Seek the Lord with fasting. You know, four years ago, I, in September, um, I, I did an extended fast. And I was praying about the church, praying about life, you know, just all this stuff. And um, at the end of it, on the very last day, I was, I was in that place where I'm just waking up. But I'm not awake yet. I'm still kind of asleep. And I had a dream. And in that dream, Meyer contacted me and said, we want to give you the building. And so I wake up and I'm like, whoa! And I'm like, last day of the fast? I'm like, yeah! Six months later, Meyer called me. Said, we want to figure a way for you guys to stay. And here we are. I mean, it's really cool. You know, and I, you know, if, if I wouldn't have fasted, would that have happened? I, I believe it would. God, God was answering prayers. Um, but he clued me in on what was going to happen. It was really cool. Now, I fast forward to this year in January, and I did, I did a 10-day fast. And actually, I didn't think I had fasted since that 2014. And uh, Pastor McClellan was telling me about Brookville Road doing their, doing their yearly fast. And so I felt the Spirit just kind of nudge me. You know, hey, you need to do that. You haven't done that in a while. And so I moved to the place of humility. And it was, and it was right before the Men's Flex Weekend. And I did, you know... Like, I don't want to fast. So I was like, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to do 10 days. Okay, well, it was the best fast I've ever done. 10 days. And I just soaked my, myself in the Word of God, in John. And on the very first day of that fast, in the very first chapter of John, at the very end of it, he tells, he tells Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than these. And I believe the Lord spoke to me, and He told me that we're about to see greater things than what we've been seeing in our church. And greater things in our life than what we've been seeing. And then as I kept going, I kept reading in John, and I got to a later chapter, and, and he confirmed that same vision to me. That something's coming. And so ever since then, I've had my eyes of faith wide open for how God is going to bring about greater things here at our church. Now listen, every believer, every, this isn't for the super spiritual, every believer needs to practice this life hack and fast. You know, just start with, just start with a day. Just, just one day. In fact, let's just say next week. Let's just say Tuesday. You know, actually, let's just say tomorrow night, you skip dinner. And Tuesday morning, you skip breakfast. Tuesday lunch, skip it. And then have something to eat Tuesday night. And, and when you're doing that, every single time you feel a hunger pain, you just tell God, I'd rather have you than some dinner 
or breakfast or lunch or whatever. That's, that's what you do. That's what you do. And I say Tuesday because I'll be in, in the air and I need prayer. So, you know, you can be, you can be think, thinking about that. Now, some of you might have some health concerns that you need to pay attention to when it comes to fasting. And, you know, so I would say talk to your doctor if you have, you know, stuff that goes on when, with your diet. But, you know, what I've seen, the Lord sustain diabetics and people with low blood sugar through 40 days of not eating anything. He does it. It's amazing. And so, you know, if, if, you, if you need to, talk to your doctor. But I, let me encourage you to move to this place. Because after you do just like one day a few times, and you get used to that, then go for something longer. Maybe a three-day fast, or seven, or ten, or twenty-one like Daniel did, or forty like Jesus did. You don't have to be Jesus to do a forty-day fast. It, it, the Lord is, does amazing things. It's, it's a powerful experience. And when you're doing this, you've got to fill your days with the Bible, and with prayer, and with worship. And if you don't, you know, we, we live in a world, we can't get away from living in the world, if you don't... Just saturate your life with those things. When you're fasting, you might as well just eat. Okay? Because it's, it's not just about not taking in food. And turn off the TV as well. Because all you'll see is food commercials. <laughs> yeah. And you'll see every one of them. You'll be like, I've never wanted to eat at Taco Bell in my life, but it sounds really good right now. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just what happens. You know, it's part of it. But it's, it's, really, it's really great. It's powerful stuff that, that, takes, um, that, that happens during these fasts. Now, Daniel didn't fast completely from food, but he limited his diet. So there's different ways to do it, and there's places you can go and read about different things you can fast from. But you know what? Food has been, the, for me, in my, my life, my walk with God, has been such an amazing thing when I've, when I've uh, participated in that, um, in that fast. I just promise you, if you humble yourself before the Lord with fasting... He's going to meet with you. He not, he, and He won't wait. He won't make you wait. Maybe He might one day, just to see if you're serious. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, He will meet with you. He will speak to you. And He will sustain you. All those things happen if you move to the place of fasting. You want, you want to go? Tuesday. <clears throat> okay, when, when Daniel went there, he wasn't at home. When he had this angel encounter, he wasn't at home. He, he and some other guys had gone to the great river, the, the river Tigris. So you might say that Daniel has gone on a prayer retreat at the beginning of the Jewish calendar, the first month of his year. So he's starting it in prayer. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever gone away, taken some days for the specific purpose of just seeking God? Ever done that? You know, one of the greatest offerings that you can give God is your time. Where it's like totally, you give it to Him. And I know we've, we've got busy lives. We are the busiest people on the planet. And we've got important things to do. I mean, we're always running. And that's just the world we live in. And we've got to figure out how to live in that world. And you know what? I, I, I tell you often, I'll tell you again today, you know, if you're not setting aside time in God's Word more days in a week than not, you're just not going to be able to follow Jesus. Because you're not going to know what He wants from you. You're not going to be full of the Spirit. You can't do it without this life-giving Word. You need it. Feast on it. As much as you possibly can. But here, Daniel, he's doing something, um, he's doing something kind of a little bigger than that. He's up in the ante. Uh, he's, he's gone away from life at the palace. He's at the river. He's moved to a place of quiet. Now, you know, we live in this noisy world. And we can't, we can't get away from it, but we can run away from it from time to time. 
And that's a good thing to do, to this place of quiet where we just go to be with God. And you've got to plan for it. You've got to plan for it, don't you, Amy? How many times have you done this? Once a year, Amy goes on a prayer retreat. Ten? All right, sorry. Put you on the spot. She's done it like 25 times. I mean, she's rocking. (laughs) But it's good. She moves to a place of quiet just to seek the Lord. No internet, no cell phone signal, just Him. And it's powerful time, I promise you. God will meet you in that place. And you'll come back different. You'll come back more God-strong than when you left. Daniel, he has, moved, he has moved to the quiet. He has moved to a place of humility. And then God sends him this angel. Another angel. And uh, so he, he's out on the banks. He lifts up his eyes to see this man clothed in, in white and has got gold around his waist. Um, he's got a face like lightning and eyes like fire. Uh, he, he's got arms and, and legs like polished bronze. And his voice is the sound of the Lucas Oil Stadium shouting all at the same time, Go Colts! If you can imagine that. That's what his voice sounds like. So Daniel sees this man, but the guys who were with him didn't see him. All they could do is feel him. And it freaked them out so bad they ran away from Daniel and and went and hid from, from what was going on there. So Daniel is left alone with this angelic warrior on the banks of the Tigris. And he is overcome with fear. And all of his strength drains out of his body. And he falls to the ground and falls asleep. And we'll read in a minute in verse 15 that uh, he couldn't speak. He was moved to a place of silence. And that's another life hack for living the God's strong life. Um, When we spend time with the Lord in the Bible and in prayer and we're reading, we need to do as much listening as we do talking. As much listening as we do talking. Daniel is silenced by the presence of this angel. And he sees him and he goes mute. And we can practice that same discipline in our lives. We can go silent. Now, this isn't so much about not talking, but it involves that. You know, but even if you stop talking, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but the noisiest place in the world is my own head. And as soon as I'm like, okay, I'm going to be silent, you know, my mind will not shut off. It just kind of kind of keeps going. And it's really hard to practice silence before the Lord. And so how do we do it effectively? How do we move to this place? Well, we got to do what Daniel did. we got to look and we got to listen. So we look upon the beauty and the majesty and the glory of God. We look upon Him. And you can find that in creation. And I, I, you know, last month had opportunity to see some amazing scenes that I could have just looked at all day long, speechless, as I saw this incredible stuff, mountains, you know, down in Tennessee and out west, beautiful things that God has made, and it just communicates about who He is, and it just overwhelms you. So you can see Him in creation. You can also see Him in His Word, where He gives us pictures of who He is. Revelation chapter 1 is this incredible picture of Jesus. If you go there and you read that, and you just gaze upon it, and soak it in, take your words away. Uh, uh, Revelation chapter 4, we get an incredible view into the throne room of God in heaven where God is sitting on the throne. He's surrounded by His creation and He's surrounded by 24-7 worship that's going on. You know, if you just read that, if you enter into the throne, throne room along with John there, you just go speechless. 
That's your God. Isaiah chapter 6, we see God high and lifted up and the train of His robe fills the temple. And Isaiah says, woe is me. I've seen God. I'm doomed. Remember? You know, so you just go speechless when you see God, when you are able to gaze upon Him. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. It takes some practice, but it'll do it. Once you go speechless, then start listening. Listening to what He says. If you're speaking, you're not listening. I mean, that just kind of goes... You know, this happens to me often too, and I don't know if it does for you or not, but I can be reading, and I'll read a page, get to the bottom of the page, and go, I have no idea what I just read. <laughs> well, that happens in God's Word too. You know, and I, I tend to go back and reread things because I wasn't listening to myself read. And that's where we need to do as much listening as we do talking when we go into the place of prayer. Um, it's a powerful thing that we can do. And it's amazing what we'll hear when we do it. So those are some life hacks to go to these places. The more you go to those places, the more God-strong you will be when you're not in those places. So, do it. Life hack number two is to ask for the touch. And here's something. You can go home and try another microwave thing. Put a little glass of water in with your pizza and your pizza will stay, your crust will not get soggy. So, you know, I'm, that today is, you can do that today. It's, Tell me if it works. I haven't tried it. We're going to talk about asking for the touch. Let's read. This is in two sets of verses. So 10 and 11 and verses 15 to 19. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then verse 15, When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So in verses 10 and 11, this lightning-faced, fiery-eyed angel starts to talk. Now there's a couple of ideas about who this angel might be. Some think it's Jesus because the description of him matches up kind of with what you read in Revelation chapter 1. Some think it's Gabriel who's just dressed in his warrior outfit because he's been, been the one that's coming to Daniel. And some just think it's another angel that's come from the front in an answer to Daniel's prayers to flesh things out for him about what's going to happen. doesn't really matter. Daniel's on the ground. The angel picks him up to all fours and he tells him to stand up. And that's when he's able to do it, after he was touched. And in the second set of verses, after he hears the angel, he bows his head and he goes silent right there. And he says, uh, so I'm going to come back to what the angel says in a minute or two or three. And uh, verse 16, the angel touches Daniel again, this time on the lips. 
And when Daniel can speak, he, he explains to him, basically he's giving him a prayer request. He's giving him an ask. He's saying, you know, because of these visions, I have no strength. I've got pain in my body. I've got no strength left. How can I have this conversation with you? And so God, he answers this prayer by touching him three times. Three times he gets strength. You know, the God-strong life is not about us getting stronger in ourselves. We, we actually cannot live the God-strong life in our own strength. It is about living it in the strength that God gives us. And some days, you know, when we wake up, we feel stronger than others in a physical sense. You know, and, and that's a good thing. But in a spiritual sense, when we wake up, we're all rested usually. Uh, but we wake up spiritually empty, spiritually weak. Left to ourselves, we've got no spiritual strength at all when we wake up in the morning. And so we need to ask God for a touch. A touch of His strength. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We want strength from Him. When we wake up, we want to pray that prayer every morning. Now, I, I'm not talking about physical strength per se, but I think that's a good ask from God. I think God... Um, answer that prayer for me when I was hiking in the mountains, asking him for strength to continue on. But you know what? What's a lot harder than hiking in the mountains? Standing up for what you believe in when no one else is. We need a lot more strength to do that than we do to hike a mountain. When everyone else is going the other direction. Daniel got touched. He received strength. Strength to stand, strength to speak, and strength to continue. His strength had been drained out of him because he'd been fasting, because of this experience with the angel, because of the grieving over the work stoppage. He laid his problem out before God. God answered his prayer, strengthened him, touched him. And that's what we need to have happen to us every single day to try to, as we try to live this God-strong life in a godless world. Ken Wales, he, was, um, he is an uh, award-winning TV and movie producer. He began his career many years ago in Hollywood as an actor. And uh, when he started his career, uh, there was a particular role in a, in a big movie that he turned down because it conflicted with his faith in Christ. And so while he was under contract with MGM, he was cast for this film starring Dean Martin, Saint Frank Sinatra, and Shirley MacLaine. And at one point in the script, the character was to entice this young woman, get her drunk so he could take advantage of her. And Ken had a problem with that. And so he describes his decision to decline the role like this. He said, I'd been speaking to a lot of church groups and conventions around the country on the subject of making right choices. So when I read the script, I had to meet with director Vincent Minnelli. He's a big dude. Uh, he met with Vincent, Vincent Minnelli to tell him that he couldn't do it. Vincent told me, you'll do it or you'll be out of your contract. You'll go on suspension, you'll have no salary for a year, and I will see to it that you will not work in this town again. And I told him he'd have to find somebody else, and he literally threw me out of his office when I told him I couldn't do it. Well, when the film came out the following year, Ken was at a conference in Denver uh, preaching to about 600 kids. And time came for them to go on dinner break. And so some of them were going to go across the street and they were going to see a movie. Guess what movie was playing there? The one that Ken had turned down. And he thought to himself, you know, what if I would have done that role? 
And here I'm talking to these kids about making right choices, about living their life for Jesus, and then they go across the street and see me do something exactly the opposite. What kind of witness would that be? If we want to live like that, we got to ask God for a touch. A touch of His strength. Uh, Ken went on after declining that role that sort of propelled him into producing TV's uh, stuff and, and movies. And he did, he's the one who produced Amazing Grace, if you've ever seen that movie before. It, it's, a, it's an awesome one. If we're going to speak like that, if we're going to stand like that, if we're going to continue like that, when it's getting thrown at us like that, we need God's strength to do it. So the angel, he told Daniel twice he was greatly loved. That's the source of our strength. And then he told him, do not be afraid. That's because of that love. And then he said, peace be with you. Because fear just steals away our strength. And then he said, be strong and have good courage. Because that's what you need to stand, to speak, and continue. You know, there is no amount of Bible study that you can do to get this. What you need is a touch from God through the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in your inner being. And so we've got to pray it every single day. Asking God for His touch. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. 1 Chronicles 16.11 Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Isaiah 40 verse 29 He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Ask for the touch and God will give it to you when you need it and not before. So that's life hack number two. Now I know this is really going to disappoint all of you, but we're to life hack number three. And it's the last one that I have to show you here. Um, It it is uh, to look for the fight. And so, yeah, those are bananas hanging there, you know, if you hang them up in your kitchen. But if you wrap plastic around the ends of them like that, they'll last a whole whole week longer than they normally do. You just cut them off. Don't take the plastic off. So there you go. Go try it. Bananas are right next door. It is remarkable, remarkable what information this angel communicates to Daniel here as, uh, as we're looking at this. Now, one thing I should mention is in Daniel... Chapter 10, 11, and 12, they all go together. Okay, And what we're looking at is the introduction to a great vision about the future, all future for Daniel, some future for us, and that's in chapter 11. And then we get to the conclusion in chapter 12. So that's kind of where we're at in Daniel. But let's read here verses 12 to 14, and then we're going to jump to verse 20 to 21. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one, one of the chief princes, came to me, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. And then jump down to verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. 
But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Now I tell you, I'm not one to suggest that everything bad in your life is happening because we have an enemy who hates us, who is fighting against us, and who is trying to stop the work of God in our lives and in the world. But, we have an enemy who hates us, who is fighting against us, and who is trying to stop the work of God in our lives and in the world. We have an enemy. Now, back when Daniel had this vision, something monumental is going on in the life of his people. God is keeping his promises. He is bringing back a remnant to Jerusalem to rebuild and restore that city, to have a presence again on the earth as God's people. And Satan was there to meet them. He is the one who is behind the work stoppage. He's the one who's behind the oppression that they were suffering under. Because, see, he does not want the presence, the people of God to have a presence or any influence in the kingdom that he rules. And he still doesn't want that today. Still today. So this angel, uh, he came to Daniel and he said he was delayed three weeks because he was in a fight with the prince of Persia. Now that's not an earthly power, that's a heavenly power. That's a demonic angel who was fighting against this angel that was coming to Daniel. It says he was so powerful that Michael, the chief protector of Israel, had to come and help him on the front lines. And that's when this angel could come and visit Daniel in answer to his prayers. And he says, in fact, he's still fighting there. And so after I get done telling you what I need to tell you, I'm going to go back and help him because another angel's coming, the, the prince of Greece. And if you remember back to the beginning of Daniel where he got that uh, vision of the statue and the kingdoms that fall, Greece was next in line to take over in the world. And so that's what he's talking about. So this warrior, he, need, he was needed at the front to go help fight with Michael for the progress of the kingdom of God in this world. I'm not telling you a fairy tale. This is God's word giving us a glimpse of what is happening in the spiritual realm. I find that way more fascinating than the life hack pictures that I'm showing you. It's incredible. This war that's going on, it has so much influence and impact on our lives. You know, it is not the season for dandelions. But do you know what happens when you cut the head off a dandelion? It grows another dandelion, doesn't it? Why? Because it has a root. And that root sometimes goes pretty deep. Well, looking for the fight in our spiritual life keeps our prayers from cutting the heads off dandelions and the same problems just coming back. It gets our prayers underground to the root of what's going on. And that's when we look, when we look for the fight. It changes our prayers from what's going on on earth to what's going on in heaven. You know, Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's who we're wrestling. And we cannot forget that. And don't we all too easily forget it? You know, Satan is no laughing matter. 
And I think when it comes to him, either we don't believe he really exists, or we think he doesn't really care about us, or we make jokes about him, make light of him, we think of him as a cartoon character dressed in red with a pitchfork horns on his head and a pointy tail, instead of the roaring lion that's trying to devour us, like Peter tells us. He's no laughing matter. We don't have a ton of information about what's going on in the, in the spiritual realm, but, but we see here that what this fight can look like. And it, we got to remember to look for this fight in our life if we're going to live God strong. Otherwise, we're just going to be praying about cutting the heads and we'll be cutting heads off dandelions because the problems of Jesus just keep coming back in our life and in the lives of people that we know. We, need, we can participate in this war. We can influence what's happening in the spiritual realm. How do we do that? Well, Daniel's example shows us. The angel said to him, I came because of your words. Because he was fasting and praying. This angel was called away from the fight, leaving Michael there to you know, take, take him on himself. And, I mean, that just is incredible, isn't it? Paul said in Ephesians 6.18, Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We need to be looking for the fight. Dave Fitch, he wrote a book called Seven Practices of the Church on Mission. And he gives an example in the book of how a church looked for the fight and got involved and did some God-strong living in the middle of an enemy stronghold. In 2010, there was this group of eight people from two churches who felt called to a particular neighborhood called Sacramento in the Detroit area. And so this neighborhood was one of the most notorious crime-ridden places in, in Detroit. Every single house you could get killed. That's the kind of neighborhood it was, it, it was. Nonetheless, this group of eight people decided to go into the neighborhood to walk the streets and to pray. To pray over every house, to pray at every corner, to pray over the parks, asking for the presence of Christ to reign over spiritual oppression, over abuse, violence, addiction, over murder, hate, all those things. Now, one of the eight was a Sacramento, retired Sacramento police officer named Michael Chang, and he reported that every time they went through the neighborhood and they prayed for the houses, he said he felt like the spiritual oppression got less and less. And one time when they were going through, through the streets, a woman saw them and came out and confronted them. What are you guys doing in my neighborhood? And they said, we're praying. We're praying for you. And she said, well, pray that God would heal me. And God healed her right there on the spot. Well, this group of people eventually moved into the neighborhood. And they started a church called Detroit Life Church. And a couple years later, a local newspaper reported that there were no homicides, no robberies, no sex crimes, and only one assault in Sacramento between 2013 and 2014. So this place was transformed by a small group of people who began their ministry praying around the houses and streets and parks for Satan's hold on that place to be lifted. They went looking for the fight. And so we got to learn this life hack. We live way too much in this world. And what's going on here? And what's going on up there that we can't see is, is impacting us. It's the root, of, the root of the problems in our lives and in the world. And so when, when life 
is really difficult and you are discouraged and you feel like you're failing on all sides when you cannot make sense of why my spouse is so mean to me, why my kids have gone off the deep end, why I lost my job, why my coworkers against me, look for the fight. Look for the fight. When, when you are looking at the lives of other people and you see they're getting hit from all sides. You know, marriages are falling apart, uh, families are falling apart, drugs, abuse, sex crimes, you know, all this junk. When you see that happening, look for the fight. We need to be praying. Praying that Satan's plans and his schemes would be canceled in our lives, in the life of our church, in the neighborhood that we live in. We need to pray that his hands will be bound and he will be kicked out. Do we pray that way? Seems like we ought to be praying that way every day. This is serious business. And time is short. And we got a lot of work to do. So let's use this life hack. Stop cutting heads off dandelions in our lives and the life of our church and, and start praying up there and seeing God do some amazing things. Hey, before we go, we're going to practice a couple life hacks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you before we go out into a, a noisy world and we move ourselves to a place of quiet. Maybe even some of us are feeling a hunger pain or two. And we can be quiet here. Listening. Let that hunger be a message to our heart about hungering for you. And God, we know that we're weak when it comes to the kingdom of God. We don't have the strength to add anything else to our life to try to work harder on. But you are mighty. And you are strong. And you give strength to the weak. Touch us today, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us strength in our inner being to go shine for you. And we know that that effort as we leave will be resisted. And we ask your protection over us. We ask that you might cancel Satan's plans in our life. Cancel his plans at work, at school, in the neighborhoods, Lord. Bind Satan in the name of Jesus. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We do not fear. Because you have won the victory. And in you there's no fear. Just perfect love. So send us out, Lord, in the power of your spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.